Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, all right, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Leadership Blend with your host, Ricardo D. Rice. And today, I'm doing something that I do from time to time, but I haven't done it in a minute. But I know that now it is definitely warranted. So I have assembled the Avengers, the Black Male Avengers, to join me today <laughs> so that we can have... Uh, Really, really, really so we can have real conversations about what's really going on uh, in our atmosphere, not only in the city of Atlanta, but across the globe. And as black men who are directly impacted by what is going on and what's going on in the streets, who better to ask than those individuals who are, again, the ones that are being directly impacted. So starting from my left, which would be Ashton, everybody introduce yourself and tell a little bit about you. All right. Well, I'm Ashton Reynolds, 26 years old, CEO and founder of Blessed Post Enterprises, LLC, where we utilize all forms of entertainment to spread not only positivity, but the uncompromised truth with the intent to show everybody exactly why the blessed side be the best side, straight up. All right. Kyle. I'm, I'm, t- I'm, next, I'm next to the left. Okay, cool. All right. I'm so I'm Kyle Andrew. I can't look on my screen. I'm right on top of Ashton and next to Ricardo. It's all kind of messed up, but um, I'm Kyle Andrew. Uh, I used to be a correspondent on the Leadership Blend. Um, I am currently about to go get my master's from, from Full Sail. I haven't told anybody that publicly yet, but that's what um, I'm doing next. So, yeah, that's what I'm up to. We'll talk about that. Jason? <laughs> hey, my name is Jason. I uh, work in HR. Uh, but my focus is uh, working with military and university uh, that are transitioning into the market. Um, and also I'm a father and a uh, becoming a book writer and a, a talker and a jokester and a prankster. And I just like to have fun. Yes, sir. And uh, double, double R. R. How you this I'm in Denver right now. So basically, I'm a yeah, I'm a uh, working for a company called Denver Ducks. Uh, still doing my music. Still CEO of uh, Music One Publishing. Got a couple albums coming out. Corresponding on Leadership Blend, and I'm happy to be here. Yes, sir. All right, so let's 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 get the ball rolling. So I want to start with the the young bucks, the younger bucks, which would be Kyle and Ashton. Wow. So you two give me. What you well, we start with them, the Yumba. I because I really want to know how you guys are feeling with all this stuff that's going on. And when I say stuff, I mean the protesting in the street. Uh, have you guys been a part of it? If not, how do you feel about it? Like, what is your 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 viewpoint on what's happening currently? Let's start there. Uh, Ashley, you want to go first? Oh, uh, you got it, Cal. <laughs> all right. So, I mean. Uh, I haven't spoken about this publicly yet, so this will be the first time I'm actually airing out how I actually feel about everything going on. But me personally, in general, I'm very, very 
happy to see what my generation is doing and, and um, you know, the, the effort that we're putting in and the changes that we're already seeing from the protests. What I don't necessarily like is, you know, the looting I feel like is a little bit excessive. That's just me. Um, the night, the, the, the initial night that the protests began here in Atlanta, the night that uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, she, she and T.I. and uh, who was it, Big Mike? Killer Mike. Um, Killer Mike, yeah. Killer um, Mike. They all broadcasted themselves and they, you know, told everybody to basically go home. I understand the frustration that came from everybody. They were like, well, why go home? And this, that, and the other. Uh, Keisha was like, you know, you're destroying our city. And I, under I understood everything that she said. Everything that Keisha said that night, I completely understood. But at the same time, um, I feel like, I feel like now they may be actually hearing us and understanding our pain and frustration. And we have, we've always had, you know, uh, white alliances, but now white people are now using their voices um, and not just their voices, but they're going to their peers who don't necessarily understand and are stuck in their old ways. And now they're sitting them down and saying, hey, this is why this is not, not right. And this is the times that we live in now. And so like, you know, I'm very, very happy overall with everything going on. That's just me. But I know some people are like all for the looting. Like I know, no, I know people are like all for the looting and Gucci don't support you and Target don't support you. I'm just like, well, I don't understand why we have to tear down the community that we live in, regardless if we live in Buckhead or not. I just, you know, if people come to Atlanta, Atlanta is like one of the top five cities that people want to come to when they come to America. That's, that's a fact. And so why tear it down and trash it? You know what I'm saying? So that's how I feel. I feel you. I feel you on that right there. Um, I agree with you. I love the fact that there is some um, situations that are getting addressed, but also there are some situations that are getting undressed. Because, you know, addressing means that you're shedding knowledge on the situation, but undressed is allow, allowing for everything to get exposed so you can have those uncomfortable conversations. So those who are enacting hatred inside of the community, they, you can say, hey, you have the opportunity now to admit that you are wrong for enacting that upon a specific group of people due to color. Um, I love the fact that there are conversations going on as far as like sharing resources, if you're trying to create your own and a sense of togetherness that also opens up conversations for all of the wrong that was tossed to the wayside due to other sensationalized events inside of society. Now we have the time to address it all and undress it all. And now we're at a point of reestablishment due to a lot of people coming to an agreement that 2020 was going to be a year of change. It's going to be a year of uh, a big come up. Well, change is an uncomfortable thing. So now it's time to have these uncomfortable conversations to make sure that the, our generation and the generations that are, that are to come don't have those same problems that were lingering from back then going into the future. Now, I agree with you, Kyle, when you talk about the looting and things like that, because, you know, what's the point? You know, if you see some opportunities to get some free stuff uh, or whatever you're trying to do with it, I don't, you know, it's so, so many prestigious um, businesses that have been standing the test of times and you destroying it. And plus, some people that you do know have already established businesses and those could have been horned and things, things like that. So I love the fact that people are voicing how they're feeling. Um, uh, everything that is getting addressed are um, situations that have been affecting each other for so long. And I'm glad that now we have an opportunity to sit, come up with a, a plan to reestablish what it is that we need inside of our communities today. 
Okay, good point, good point. I'm going to warn y'all about Ashton. Ashton will pull some stuff. Like, Stop playing. Y'all better watch him. <laughs> y'all better watch him. I know Kyle, but I've only had a, cup, a taste of Ashton. Y'all got to watch him. He's got to be profound. All right, so I'm not going to pose that know. same question. I, look, I, he, he a slick one. I'm not going to pose that same question to my older gentleman. I'm going to pose another question to my older gentleman. So to Double R and Jason, uh, Mayor Blanchbottom caught flat for telling people to go home and saying it from her office versus being in the streets with the people. Um, a lot of people felt like she should have been with them, even if she was going to make that statement, which a lot of people did not agree with, but they felt like she should have been in the streets with them. Um, so my question to you two is, how do y'all think uh, Mayor Bottoms is handling Atlanta in general with all that's going on? You want to go first, Jason, or you want me to go? You can go first. All right. <laughs> so to be honest, I like Keisha. She used to live in the house across the street from me on Burbank, on the west side. So I like her. I think that a lot of people don't understand how politics work. They also don't understand how politics work when you're black. It is not the same type of politics. We're not playing the same game. We're not having the same conversations, no matter how uncomfortable they are when you talk to people that are a different color, it is not the same conversation. The reason that it's not the same conversation is the same reason that you pose a different question to me and Jason than to Kyle and Ashton. There is a gap in age. If you were born in between 85 and 94, you were alive to see crack. If you were born in 99 or 2003, you don't know what crack is. You don't understand what that was. It's that same conversation and people are trying to force that conversation on people that were not alive to see their ancestors. We are not out. We, we understand that black history means everything to what for for what is to come but we are not those people we are not built like them we don't protest like them we don't take beatings like them we don't make move it, movements like them we're not unified like them we are not those people so when she's telling people hey go inside because the next thing that will happen will not come from me it will come from somebody else i get it because she doesn't want people to get hurt that same night that she told everybody to go in the house is the night that the cops snatched that boy and his girl out the car. It was the same night. Mm -hmm. Nobody says anything about it. She's not telling people to go in the house because, hey, protest isn't doing anything or we're not getting anything done or voices are not being heard. She's saying it because literally a week later, you guys have to go in the streets and vote. Mm -hmm. Atlanta is one of the biggest black epicenters in the country. Mm -hmm. Our voice means everything in this city. We have black mayors, black congressmen, black aldermen, black uh, uh, council members, boards, teachers, principals, school officials, captains. Every in almost every county, from DeKalb County, De Decatur, Clarkston, City of Atlanta, uh, Snellville. I mean, you can go around Georgia and see black faces everywhere. That means a lot. We are the example to the rest of the country. We are supposed to be the example. When you go and tear down the city, you have to understand what you're doing. Rioting is not cool. I get it. I understand it. You're upset. It's a lot of unrest. It's a lot of people that are frustrated. But where were you 
nine years ago? Where were you eight years ago? Where were you five years ago? Where were you when all of these other people that died in all these other places, where were you then? You didn't go to their city and tear it down. You didn't go to their city and do the same thing. Don't don't come here and act like like uh, uh, tearing Atlanta down is going to do something to somewhere else. Because I don't know if people seen it, but I drove through Minneapolis when I was coming to Denver. Whatever they showing y'all on the news is not what it looked like in real life. Them folks is in the streets tearing it up. It looked like Baltimore from a couple years ago. It looks the exact same way. And we have to understand that history repeats itself. And we are not that history. We can't expect to make change by doing the same thing that everybody else did. We're not in positions to do that. Atlanta is one of the very few places where we are in a position to say something. And we are in a position to get our voices heard. And we are in a position to make change. And we saw it. A week later, after Rashad got killed and a friend of mine went to school with him, we knew him. A week, I put my job on the line. Keisha put her job on the line. The DA put his job on the line. What you see a couple days later, 11 charges. That's the first time that, that is the quickest indictment in, in the last two years. Look at the, the dude in Minneapolis. They don't want to charge him at all. They want to let him go. Oh, well, we're going to lock him up and we're going to fire him and we're going to do this. No. 11 charges. The cops getting charged that shot him. He's also getting charged with shooting in the car. He's also getting charged with shooting at the other two people. The cop that was with him is everybody's getting charged. We're seeing change, but we have to understand it is not going to be easy. These conversations are not going to be easy, and we can't expect people that do not like, like there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. A lot of people want sympathy from these people that know right, nothing about us. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Jason, you go, because I know how Derek gets. You go, Jason. <laughs> oh, he was preaching for a minute. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Get fired up. Get fired up. You go. <laughs> so, yeah, because you know we talked about this already. My, 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 the way I feel yep. about it, um, as, as I watched it, uh, growing up, you know, T.I. and I, we're the same age. Um, he actually, you know, he, we were at the same school before he quit all schools. Uh, so, you know, I understand the mentality and I understand what you're saying, how politics for us isn't the same for them, right? But nothing for us has been the same for anybody if you think about it. Let's talk about what we're addressing, first of all. And, and actually, let me rewind a little bit. The reason I like to work with uh, college students, the next generation, Gen Z, X, Y, Elemental P, I don't know what we're going to call it next, right? <laughs> but the reason I like working with them and the reason I like being at the age that I am at is because I listen and I hear them. I'm probably one of these one of the few people who actually listens to that generation. But like you said, I understand the other generation. So when Keisha was on TV and she's like, y'all just go home. And then what happens? People, our people start making jokes like, oh, look at her like she's somebody auntie or somebody's mama. Well, guess what? She is somebody's auntie and she is somebody's mama. But at the same time, I felt as though she has been disconnected. That's what happens. That's where we always lose in a generational uh, crossover. They, we become disconnected, right? And so as we disconnect ourselves, and especially as African-Americans, as we disconnected ourselves, we work hard to get into those positions. But as soon as we got there, how did we act? How did we look back? How do we give back? And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about forced 
volunteerism because that's generally what happened. Places force you to give back. I'm talking about how do you really give back? What do you really do? You know, you probably barely go over to see your auntie anymore because she live in that 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 part of the that part of the uh, the city, right? So when I heard Keisha, I, I I felt what she was saying, but I also felt that she was disconnected. You know, because she's 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 Keisha Bottoms. T.I. is T.I. You know what I'm saying? He's disconnected. Killer Mike is disconnected. So when me, as still somebody who's connected, when I think about it, two things went through my mind. I hope nothing goes wrong tonight, and I need for them to connect back to the culture, to the society, to the group, to the group of people, like you said, who, who knows about crack cocaine, who knows about prostitution, who knows about all of the stuff that went on back in the 80s and 70s. Because when people like that, who, who are, are, are clerks, who are, are uh, factory workers, who are mechanics, who are, are nurses, who are teachers, when people like that work hard and see police brutality and realize what I did do not make a difference, I could still lose my life today. And what does it matter if I tear up this store? If they come out here and shoot, they could come out here and shoot me tonight, are they gonna shoot me tomorrow? What does it matter? You know, when you start to get up in age, as they say, you start to you start to lose care a little bit. You start to not care. You start saying things that you would never say. Right? And then when you look when when I, when something did happen, I felt Keisha got a little bit connected because she was like, you know, that could have been my child. Yes, I have an 18-year-old son. That could have been my child. And all of this stems from the fact that police, black and white, refuse to police their own police. And we didn't start rioting. Let's go back to the Boston Tea Party now. Let's, let's, let's look at it from a historical standpoint. What did we see? Because that's what we do. So when it comes to how she handled it, yes, she did, to me, she did the right thing. She called a press conference. She tried to connect, but she wasn't connected. But what she did do is she got out there. I think, if I, if I recall correctly, she was one of the first ones to get out there with her city, and then some of the other cities started to follow us. We set, the, we set a precedence. We set an example. We're actually more powerful than Washington, if you ask me. But right. what needs to happen so is... Let me ask... We, go ahead. So let me ask this question and I'm going to shift this to because the question, the question that I had when she brought Killer Mike and T.I. was, what are they supposed to do? Who do they speak to? So my question, this is to Colin Ashton. When y'all saw T.I. and Killer Mike, were they two people that you recognized uh, for uh, social activism or were you kind of like, okay, because uh, when I had Jared Sawyer on the show, Jared was like, well, you know, why did she get them to? Because they're not even really relevant right now. She should have got some other up-to-date rappers from Atlanta. And he named some people. I don't know those guys. But he named some other uh, new, newer rappers that were in Atlanta. And he would say that she should have called them because they, their voices would have resonated with the younger generation. So how do you two feel about that? Do y'all agree with that statement? Or did y'all actually feel like y'all heard Killer Mike and T.I.? Well, if we can be clear, just real quickly, Kyle didn't even know that, that Mike was a killer. 
<laughs> he definitely called him Big Mike. He definitely called him Big Mike. I've got to say, my favorite. So that's what we call Rich Boy Kyle when he was with yeah. us. So, you know, I've got to say, he was a, bit, a little bit before my time. I'm sorry. Um, but I mean, I feel like she called on Killer Mike and, and um, T.I. because they both are socially conscious. And I feel as though if she had called on um, newer rappers that are more so millennials or, um, of you know, the newer, younger rappers, like, I don't know, from Atlanta, um, Little Baby or any of the Migos, I feel as though they still wouldn't have been, uh, the message to go home still wouldn't have gotten across. I feel like instead um, they would have been quote unquote canceled or they would have been called um, an Uncle Tom or a, uh, there's another term that's been going around on social media. Sell out something, yeah, 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 or a coon is what the the word that they get that, uh, get called. When you, yeah. I'm serious. That's what the term. That's why. That's what um, Doctor Umar. Doctor Umar. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. That, that's what he'll call you if you um, have a um, a perspective that doesn't align with with his pro black perspective. So I don't. I don't think agree it with that. Matter. I feel you though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think that it would have mattered who they would have called on. Well, I know Killer Mike. <laughs> you know, I was born in '94. I know Killer Mike, and I, I understand why she got him due to the fact that okay, yes, they are pillars in Atlanta because you know Ti is a big figurehead. Killer Mike lining up musically with Outkast and things of that nature. I understand, and plus they've established businesses inside of Atlanta. And actually, Killer Mike is one who takes young African-American males and he goes and educate them on how much um, uh, African-American businesses dominate Atlanta. So I understand why they would do that, uh, why he would do that, because they have, they're in an industry that caters to the younger people, but them being grown men, they're able to articulate both the emotional side as well as give some, quote unquote, guidance um, to the young people that are out there because, you know, our emotions are high because I understand during these times here, uh, the young generation, us, even the ones below us, these are traumatic times that we've never seen before. Some of them haven't seen before due to the fact that like uh, they're 13, 14 years old. They've never seen it at this magnitude so much so that it feels so close to home. Like I'm out here in Clayton County, those young boys, I know exactly what street they was on. I'm pretty sure that that was a traumatic experience because first of all, they never been stopped by the police like that. Secondly, some of them probably never had a gun pulled on them like that. And third of all, all of this stuff that is going on, plus this right here, take it to effect of how this is affecting them mentally. So them getting rappers and bringing them to speak to them and encourage them to go home and things like that. Um, I mean, like you, like you said, um, a lot of young people might not know who they are, but getting... Uh, like little baby of them during that time it'll just basically seem like the emotions they will cater to the emotion of the young younger generation they will deem them not knowledgeable of exactly what's going on for them to be able to speak on their behalf so getting a celebrity honestly I mean I don't understand I know we have influence but that's not their job their job is to not they don't have to voice it but for the, I commend them for utilizing their voice to raise awareness, but their sole duty is lied to what they signed on that contract, which is to deliver music to entertain. So 
I would like for them to raise, if they're going to use celebrities, allow them to use their voices to educate them on exactly who they are to go to. Because when things get back to normal, they got to go back to their job of just entertaining you while you're living through life. So just utilize the voice to direct them to educate them on how to vote, who to um, go to inside of your communities to, um, you know, get your voice heard properly so it can be properly represented and then we can build from there. I, I, I wanna, I wanna I piggyback that, on that real quick. I got a question. I raised my hand. <laughs> um, so, so as as I watched everything uh, transpire with the looting and the rioting, first of all, one, why are we assuming that they were black? Two, why are we assuming that they're young? Right, right. It happened in Atlanta, which is a mixed community, mm -hmm. and if you go look back at a lot of the footage. It wasn't a lot of black people. Right. From state to state. Right. But I do want to piggyback off of what you're saying with like celebrities. That's the, the conflict with being an entertainer. And a lot of people right. complain when, like, I hate when I see it. We just saw it with J. Cole and no name. Like, she, you, when you call people out for not doing anything, mm -hmm. there's a saying that says you put your money where your mouth is. Actions mm -hmm. speak way louder than words. So if you see me in the street, obviously I'm not spending any money to do anything for anybody because I'm right. out here with you. Right. Versus being somebody like Killer Mike, and I also have met Killer Mike a bunch of times, met T.I. a few times, but you can tell by the act, especially with Killer Mike, him yeah. specifically, T.I. Is, is growing in his consciousness. And I and, mm -hmm. and you can, and it's clear with him because you can see it. But if mm -hmm. you listen to like, especially in this city, David Banner been here twenty years, Killer Mike his whole life. If you listen to their music and you watch their actions, their actions speak way louder than their words. Ti and Killer Mike specific on that side of town that they grew up on. If you look at most of the businesses yeah. that are owned and operated on Bankhead mm -hmm. in the West Side, they're their businesses. Those mm -hmm. businesses weren't hit. A few of the businesses downtown, they didn't hit. Uh, uh, when they hit the CNN Center, they didn't hit Killer Mike's Barbershop. His barbershop right. is down there. But they hit McCormick's and Smith's. What they didn't understand is that 60% of the working staff at McCormick's and Smith's was black. Their head chef, black. Mm -hmm. They're, uh, uh, they, they didn't hit Hudson Grill. 100% of their working staff is black. But you hit mm -hmm. McCormick's and Smith's because you see white people there. They don't right. understand Ted Turner employed most of the people in this city. Most of our parents have worked mm -hmm. for a subsidiary of Turner or have worked for a security company that was directly related to Turner. If you work for Comcast and Charter in this city, you work there because he brought Comcast and Charter to join. Like, a lot of people don't understand, like you said, with the looting and the rioting. Pay attention who outside. Right. White people outnumber us outside by a lot. So mm -hmm. at 7 o'clock in the morning when I was in Atlanta doing DoorDash, I would see white people outside protesting, not us. Mm -hmm. We make it out there when we get out there. It's the same thing when they get late at night. Mm -hmm. 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, white people outside protesting. But mm -hmm. they're also the same people that's busting down businesses. And I get it because their civil unrest is watching other people be restless. And they're like, okay, we got to do something. And it's not young people. Young people have never seen this before. Right. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what to do. That's why shows like this, there are a few other shows, but like discussions 
forums, like putting people in places where everybody can be heard, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen, even with, with our mayor. If you look at the difference between our mayor and our governor, you're talking about like 22 years. Mm-hmm. 20 years is a long time. Mm-hmm. Keisha is a few years older than me. So it's mm-hmm. like, if she has a son and your son is 18, I'm 31, she's maybe 39, maybe 40, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Look at the difference just between 81 and 89. You, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Look at the difference between 89 and 94. When Ashton was born, 94, 90, like, there's a big difference. But, like you said, there are a lot of things that we're starting to see, a lot of things that are being uncovered. And especially and what, with this city, it's exposing the rest of the country. Ashton? All right, Ashton. So, one thing that I do like that y'all are saying um, when you all are making y'all statements is what I've been reiterating all the time. History, historical facts. I love the fact that you all are doing that because one thing that I try to let um, the younger, my generation, younger generation, or people that are confused about how to handle things, I just try to let people know that history repeats itself because those who have been enacting these um, agendas upon us utilize history, uh, historical text, to uh, tell the future uh, and also predict how you would react to these certain things once they are enacted. Like there was a book that was written in 1980 and I had read it. They said 20 years from now, we will release a virus that nobody will have a cure from and it will disappear as quick as it came and come back 10 years later afterwards, 10 times worse. Right. See, and, and things like that. So if they're, that shows patience on their part. So mm-hmm. with that patience and with that research and with that preparation and with the articulation to get people to buy into a plan that they might not be alive to see enacted, but if they are, then it has been rooted inside of them so that once it comes into play, they already know what it is and they've already prepared for it. Then we must also utilize history to make sure that we are in line with what they are so that we can be uh, productive in hindering that or be one step ahead to not give them the reaction that they were planning for once they enact their plan. And see, that's, that's I true. like what you said. Right. I like what you said. All right, so, so let me, let me shift this because we're in, we're in a space that I kind of want to explore because I got into this discussion with a friend of mine the other day. Um, somebody alluded to the fact about pretty much too much is given, much is required. So the ideology that when you have more, the expectation has to be different. So we got, me and my friend got on the, the conversation about athletes and their contribution to the cause, the Black Lives Matter cause. And he was saying uh, something along the lines of uh, them protesting or making statements. And my thing to him was, I was like, I, for athletes, I don't feel like that's enough. When you consider the fact that football is an American pastime and the fact that a lot of these teams are owned by white individuals, and the fact that most of the players are African-American who all have million-dollar contracts, I don't feel like it's enough for them just to speak out. You know, for them, I feel like their money should be where their mouth is. If we think about, if they only put 1% of their income, which is millions of dollars, 1% of their income into a pool, and that pool of 1%, and that pool of money was sent to some uh, social justice-informed or legislation oversight committee, do you know what we could do? 
even if they staged an actual walkout and said, look, we're not playing football anymore until you guys uh, come up with a better paradigm about the way that you manage us or the way the teams are on. I just feel like that makes a huge statement to the world because football is the American pastime. And we kind of got into the debate about that. But Derek got his hand up, so I can only imagine what he's going to say. But uh, <laughs> how do you guys Just start the timer. Just start the timer. Hit you with some numbers. Okay. One percent. So you saying football, American pastime. Well, football contracts aren't guaranteed contracts. So you That's have true. to look at other sports where black people dominate the sport. Basketball would be that sport for America. Mm-hmm. If you look at ratings for basketball versus the ratings for football during the regular season, ratings are much higher for basketball because games are more frequent. Now, if you look at basketball teams, it's 14 so players. Super Bowl, though. Yeah, but the, you're, you're talking about if you get 40 million people to watch the Super Bowl, that's one night. If you get 30 million people to watch a playoff game for seven games, the numbers will outdo the football season in just the playoffs. That's why the NBA wants to come back so bad. They don't got nothing. So anyway, if you look at a basketball contract, you sign a rookie deal, your rookie deal might be about $3.5 million. That's as a rookie player. If you get an endorsement, you're talking five to $6 million. You can't get that many people that just got money to say, oh, I got to give away money now. We talked about this before. You can't tell that many young people, hey, look, so we're trying to do something better for the community, and we're trying to help out. You got to understand, they didn't get discovered in their community. Out of all the students that graduate every single year from college, and you're talking about 5,000 plus athletes, basketball, football, only about 1,500 of them will make it to the combine for basketball and football. 1,500. Out of the 1,500, only 300 of them will get drafted. Out of 300, 50 of them will play. Out of 50, maybe 20 will actually have a long career. So out of three, three to 5,000 students that graduate from college, only 20 of them will actually make money during their career. You can't expect those 20 to say, I'm going to come out of my pocket and give y'all some money because they don't actually know if they're going to stay on the team. I don't look for athletes to do that. I don't look for entertainers to do that. Because yeah, it starts- but, but how is that fair? But how is that fair when the average when the average Joe goes out in the street and they protest, they risk a lot of things. They risk their company seeing them protesting and really seeing how they really feel. They risk when they go on social Definitely. media and speak out. They risk their income to for the cause. So how is that so, fair for the average so Joe to Kaepernick. risk their, their livelihood to do it? Kaepernick. You know what? I don't even have to count to me on. Look, look, even even yeah, though yeah. his message wasn't clear, it was the NFL is very, very specific on protest. So is the NBA. If you look up a player, I forget his last name, but his first name is Abdul. He he was a play, he gave Jordan 49 in a playoff game. He protested during the playoffs where he kneeled and prayed. He was a Muslim. The very next year he did they dropped his contract in the middle of a contract. So here's the there thing. are very specific rules against athletes protesting, and they make that kind of money where if they get cut in the middle of a season during a contract, you don't make any money. So That's here, why they want to do thing. it. Here, here's right. my thing about it. One, I would not want to point it just at the athlete. I want to talk about celebrities in general, okay? So for a lot of celebrities, I'm very proud of a lot of celebrities like Nick Cannon, like Michael B. Jordan, and, you know, other celebrities, Jamie Foxx, who stood right there, 
Um, you didn't even know he was going to come up and speak. So, you know, they hopped on a plane. They risked, you know, catching corona, you know, to go be a part of this thing. So so let's give some credit where credit is due. Wait, 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 because wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because, hold on. Because Nick Cannon, me and him got issues. Because you do know what Nick Cannon said when he was out on the trail, right? About hold the black vote. Why would you tell people that? He had right. a sign that said hold the black vote. Why would the, you tell the, people that? The, the same we have reason a hard that, time getting the vote. Well, well. The, the same again. reason that other people tell black people to hold the vote. Who are you voting for? What candidate yeah. represents you? What that, agenda a, do they have right. that represents that, you? That's a whole there is different no candidate. funnel. That's a whole different funnel. We're talking, so you started with select, like you started with athletes, which is celebrities. So let's talk about that. Yes, they do make a good amount of money, but let's talk about where the money goes. Let's talk about right. where your money goes, right? Because although Black Lives Matter is a, a, a great organization, you know, they have to, they have to, when, when you sign your name to something, the bigger you get, when you start to sign your name to stuff, you need to look a little bit closer on what dotted line you're signing your name on as far as contributions go. So, because when they donate, that's a tax write-off, let's be honest, right? But what am I donating mm -hmm. my money to? Are they actively effective in the community? Are they doing what they say they're gonna do in the community? There's a lot of, there's a lot of charitable donations out there that say, hey, we're doing this. And then you realize that some people are just pocketing that money. Hey, pocket. So, right. But, but then going back to what, what Double R said about, you know, T.I. and his growth. Trust me, I've watched this man's growth. And, you know, back in the day, hot temper, you know, not going to do it without quick. It happens, you know, but now he's at a different level. So if you're talking about some, some of the, the uh, younger celebrities that are coming in, the younger football players, they have not had their chance to get there yet. So unless somebody like a Jordan or a Kobe or somebody who's been there and more mature say, hey, man, you know, I'm doing this investment into this. I think you should look at it, you know, have your, your accountant, your CPA, look at it and then, you know, look at your books and see if you can donate to this. Then that's the only way those conversations are going to happen. And that's what I talk about, about that generational disconnect. What happens is somebody needs to go pick that, that athlete, celebrity, actor, whoever, and say, hey, let me talk to you for a minute, not on a Black Lives Matter thing, but hey, here's your career, here's what's ahead of you, here's what you need to be, you know, thinking about, looking forward to expectations, you know, divorces, kids, you know, money loss, money gain, real estate, whatever it is. That's how you keep the money in our community. That's how you build our community for wealth. And guess what? None of this is new because all the other races have done this. And I got a question. All right, Ashton. Who do who do rich people oh, listen to? Rich people. That was a good question. Let me get right Ashton. Derek, that was a good question right there that you were just about to ask right there. And rich Jason, people. I do. Yeah, I do. I like that question right there. And Jason, I do um, agree with you regarding um, that dotted line. What what your contract says. And to go back with, um, to what you had asked, Ricardo, regarding the athletes and things like that. No matter what field of uh what industry field you in that's a leadership decision right there mm -hmm. and the role of a leader is to be a servant to the to the community there are some people like when it becomes uh in the athletic world you know like um, like Derek has said the nba contracts those are guaranteed so what you sign on that dotted line is what you're gonna get nfl players 
the only thing that is guaranteed is that signing bonus. After that, everything is based upon contractual um, stipulations that you get. Uh, there's a set yearly thing that you will make as well as expenses that um, let's say if you exceed a certain amount, like if you catch 50 plus passes, you will get a bonus and things like that. But that signing bonus is guaranteed. Now what you do with your money, as far as what you want to do with your community, because a lot of athletes tend to want to build up their community because they grew up out of there, especially mm -hmm. if they came from the low income areas and things of that nature, but it got to be in their heart if they want to be a part of this situation here. Because granted, there's a lot of sensationalized events that are going on today, things that do need to have um, answers and things of that nature. But where their money is going to, if it's going to be a problem that, um, as long as they are giving a answer to a problem, because like I say, it's a lot of things that have been tossed to the wayside that a lot of them have put their heart towards. So just because one event has gotten here and another event of has been minimalized, sometimes it's like, okay, I dedicated myself here to this cause right here. And it has to be a conversation amongst uh, a collective to understand where is this money is going to go? Because I got to take care of this here. I touch and agree with you on the cause that we're fighting because we're on the same team. It's just that this, and, and I got to, and you handle this. And you go take care of this because if we all focus on one thing, then it's going to be like, okay, I wipe my hands with this one, but I still got to turn around because there's another uh, problem that has to be addressed as well. Where in essence, every, every person has a heart for something that they want to contribute to creating a solution for. So with one incident that gets sensationalized, police brutality, we had Colin Neal for it. Um, but there's a lot of people who feed the homeless and a lot of things that people try to allocate their funds to. And although they acknowledge, but haven't put in the amount of money that some people want them to put inside of a cause because their whole mindset is on another. Hey, all it is, it comes from the heart. So whatever their agenda is, whatever their heart is set to do, I just pray that they continue to do that wholeheartedly. So that way we can address a lot of things at the same time. And let's go I, back I, to what I, let's I, go back to what Jay Z said. They asked Jay Z, "Yo, why won't you go rebuild this?" He said, "Mentality." He said, yeah. "I can go back and I can I can like literally lower layer it all down. You know, build up new buildings, put up new fresh you know Coke machines and everything, make it look beautiful." But right. he said, "What good is it going to do if the mentality of the people that are there is going to tear it up anyway?" Right. Yeah. So, no, I just had a question because I've had the same, a similar conversation with some of my friends as to, well, this celebrity did this or this celebrity gave this much or this, you know, I know this celebrity did that. I just want to know why we, as, why do we look up to celebrities to, to, to give so much? I mean, I, I know it brings awareness to the cause, but I feel like we apply too much pressure on them. And like, I feel like if they wanted to do it, they should do it without even having to be asked. You know, people are just like, well, you know, you didn't give to this cause, and they might be doing it. You just don't see them doing it. You know what I mean? Right. Just because they didn't post their their charity doesn't mean that they're not doing anything. I just think right. that we as a people put too much pressure on celebrities giving and 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 posting about it and reaping a benefit from it just to say that they did it. That's just Correct. what I think. Yeah, but Correct. like why? And and then you have to turn around to answer that question. Why why do people get so angry? 
when the same celebrities that you expect to give out of their pockets and to give and to donate to a cause and to be a part of something, why do you get mad when they sell something to you during that same time? Nobody mm -hmm. said anything about Lil Baby putting a record out, shooting a video while he was protesting. Nobody said nothing about it. Record number one in the country, right? Well, number two, because 6 9 got number one record, but nobody said anything about that. Mm -hmm. Why? Why is that? Is it because it aligned with the cause? Or is it because he's from Atlanta? Or is it because you got to see him and you got to ride through the streets on your bike with him? Like, what is the reason that nobody said anything about that? Like you said, Kyle, the pressure that people try to put on, on uh, celebrities or people with money, if people with money turn around and say, okay, if my game check, so an average game check in the NFL might be dependent, that Prescott just signed a $31 million deal. So his average check per game is upward of $90,000 a game. That's not including his, uh, his uh, uh, endorsement deals, because that's yearly. His shoe deal, that's yearly. The Campbells, that doesn't include $90,000 a game. They play 16 games a year. He gets a check every week for the rest of the year to play out his contract. So you want me to dig in my $90,000? How much did you give out of your check? If people with money start asking people without money that same question, they would argue. And the reason is because people without money only listen to people with money. And people with money only listen to people with money. With money. So the conversations, right. the conversations never actually join together it's always like this because how much conversation can we have mm -hmm. one thing i want to say is um with people when it comes to people with money for those who don't have money one thing that will make a person with money um listen is what you can do without their money which means right. that if the community can embody what it is that they want reciprocated inside of their community, then maybe you will catch ears because that means that outside of monetary um, usage and gain, you was able to utilize your voice, your gifts, your talents, and all of that within your community to galvanize and bring unity into the community. In essence, that will make, um, that will make your, your views reach those with money because that will elevate you to a position to where you can bring what it is to the people the voices and the cries of the people to those who can actually make something happen that's from a uh, from a not going through the political way type of uh route right there because you now have stats it is now proven in which a video you it's like dang he was able to do this without my money but he put his money into something that they so heartily need inside of the community. So I always push embodying what it is that you want inside of your community. If you want equality, if you want justice, if you want peace, then you show it in your everyday life. It'll create some, a momentum and a sense of togetherness so that once it's presented and you have the opportunity, then there won't be any holes inside of your argument that you're trying to make. A lot of people try to step out divided because it's like, yeah, it sounds good, it sounds good. And because that gets the momentum of how it sounds good, then there's no sound uh, strategy behind it. Instead, it's just riding the momentum of so many kudos that you was given for saying the right message at the right time. But once the stuff hits the fan, they will realize that, oh, it was just to galvanize the crowd, but there was no plan. 
involved. So therefore, it gets tossed to the wayside. But if you are embodying it, then you already have the plan of action enacted. And that right there would catch the momentum. And so once that opportunity comes and you sit amongst those who are the gatekeepers and things like that, then what their money gets allocated to will always be an effective movement in the way that you already seen it happen, uh, wanted to happen inside of the community. I think when, I think when, when we're looking at growing and moving forward, and I tell anybody this, I do not do well with the intangible, okay? Which means if I can't see it, feel it, touch it, be within the air of it, you know, it, it's nice to, to look at, right? It's like uh -huh. window shopping to me. And to me, that's a waste of my time. Because let's say I wanted to go up to the Lamborghini dealership right now, and I want to go look at a Lamborghini. Yeah, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to look at a Lamborghini. I can't afford that Lamborghini. It's something I can't touch right now. I need to go look at something that I can touch right now. I can touch a Lexus. I can touch a Honda. I can touch a BMW. I could touch a, I could probably maybe almost maybe quarter sort of kind of touch a Tesla, right? And that's something that's tangible. That's something right. I can hold on to. It's like, you got to think about it like a gym mentality, right? When people go to the gym, they're like, oh, I'm finna shred 300 pounds. And they, they're thinking about, they're trying to do it in a week. Right. No, you're not going to do it in a week. Right. Start reaching, start looking at and dealing with tangible stuff that you can deal with. Trust right. me. I like Jay-Z. I like Obama. I like Will Smith. They're pretty awesome, right? But I'm going to look at that businessman that works in my office or that man that's in my community that I can actually have a conversation with. Yes. And I can actually, you know, call upon and say, hey, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. And I'm going to start there. And then what happens is sometimes things might happen where I, I might outgrow that person. I might, I might kick it up to the next level. Then I need to change that person. And then next thing you know, I might outgrow that person. And then you just keep doing that. It's a stair step. So one, it takes work. But two, it takes, you know, having a realistic mindset of the position that you're in right. in order to be successful, right? And so I think with a lot of people, when we look at celebrities, and, and back to Kyle said, why do we always look at celebrities? First, start with your mother. Start with your father, your aunt, your uncle, your brother, your sister, your cousin. Start there. And, and start setting goals and having right. business conversations with them because it goes back to the thing that's been said over and over and over and over and over. And guess what's going to be said over and over and over again. The five people that you can surround yourself with is the, the five people that you could literally labelly say, that's who I am. So you have to, you have to turn. So let me ask. Say, go ahead. So let's, let's shift because there's some other things I do want us to get into. So the conversation, and I know Derek's going to love this, the conversation about reparations has come to the forefront again. I was watching an interview. <laughs> I didn't like that. I was watching an interview with, um, I can't remember the lady's name, but she was interviewing Bernie King, Dr. Bernie King, and Dr. King brought up uh, about reparations, and now people are starting to feel that because the playing field is so uneven, and we've tried everything to at least level it, education, entrepreneurship, all these things. And the ideology is the only way to level this field and to make it right is to give reparations. Uh, Bob, not Bob Rogers, um, the guy that was the founder of BET, Johnson, uh, he Johnson. proposed, he put a proposal, Bob Johnson put a proposal out there with a number attached to it saying that this amount would go into reparations. Uh, Derek, do not take 50 years, but what is your thought on reparations? So this discussion has been had since the 80s. 
the number has been very specific, but it's went up about $30,000. So the estimated number per person of descendants, direct descendants of slaves is $146,327 per person. That's the, I think that's the, the number that I saw. And then it was another number that was like 164,000 per person. Well, I like the idea, the great idea, but we live in America and America don't work like that. What America does do is they give money to people that they can benefit from. And they realize that giving money to a community that you built the country on the backs of that you literally no longer need, it doesn't make sense. They bombed the Japanese and gave them $40 billion. The Holocaust uh, survivors, why, like, we had nothing to do with that. Descendants of Holocaust uh, survivors get money every year. Well, I am the direct descendant of a person that was snatched from West Africa and taken directly to Haiti. I'm a direct descendant of that. He was a slave. Why don't I get any money from that? And you build the country on the backs of the labor of all of these people. Not saying all of them were slaves. Not saying that a lot of people didn't get something, but a lot of them didn't. And most of us are direct descendants of people that got nothing for their, their, their lives. Like their life meant nothing. Their history meant nothing. The good things and bad things that they did meant nothing. Most people don't know who they are. This conversation will be had until somebody say, you know what? We got to do it. Because there is there is no real plan. There's always a number. There's always people saying, well, if we can't get money, then we should get it in the form of education or we should get it in the form of property and this and that. And that. Mm -hmm. Look, nobody has put a plan together that they stand by. Every time mm -hmm. one person puts a plan together that makes sense, because that plan that Bob Johnson is talking about, that was introduced by Huey P. Newton in the 80s. Here's the number. Here's how many miles and acres of land that we believe that we should get. We believe that this many people should be a direct, they, they should get this much. That was presented in the 80s. Every time a person does it and a few people agree, there's another group of people that says, you know what? Nah, that don't make sense. We need to get more than that. Or no, nah, that, that's too much. We need to, the kids and the, this, until what we're doing right now, this form that we're doing on the leadership land, until something like that can happen with the leaders in the black community, which in real life, there are no leaders. There are people that are great people. Michael Eric Dyson, great person. Uh, Dr. Umar, great person. Uh, 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 James Clark, great person. Feel like there are a lot of people in the black community that, ha that have lived the lives of their ancestor because they were there, they came through it, they saw it, they tried to pass down the message, but we don't want to listen to them. And they don't want to listen to us. So this conversation will continue to be happy, continue to be had. And like Kyle said, with, with white people being aligned with us, why are we not having that conversation directly with them? Why are we All not right, getting Kyle. them to agree with us, to put that number and get those opinions to say, okay, I stand by you. His generation, not my generation, not your generation, not it's going to be that younger generation that will put forth something that will make sense and they will be 100% aligned with each other. Right. All right. So as All far right, as Kyle. the reparations, and Derek, you were just talking about 
how much and the debate that we're going with that. But I'm, I've talked about this with my friends as well. My issue is how do you decide who gets reparations? Because now we have, there are so many ambiguous people. So many people have like a 1% of black in them. How are you going to tell a mixed person that don't really look like a direct descendant, but they're still black that they don't deserve a reparation? Because I mean, like looking at me and then looking at somebody like, I don't know, the Zendaya, you know what I mean? How do you tell them that they don't get their reparations? Or, you know, how do you tell them they do get? (laughs) That's true. But (laughs) at the same time, I think that that's going to be a major, major issue. Because a lot of people are going to be like, well, you don't look black, but you can't tell somebody that just because they don't look black. Plus the conversation, that conversation will be had. The difference between people that were taken to Haiti, people that were taken to Cuba, people that were taken to the Caribbean and in Jamaica, people that were taken to Brazil, people that were taken to South America. How many of those descendants live here in America now? How can you say that one person is more deserving of references than another? Well, then you copied the same game that white people did when they gave reparations to Indians. They gave it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, you look a little bit Indian. Oh, you're married to an Indian woman. Oh, oh, okay, okay. What's your last name? Okay, what reservation do you live on? With they start, like you said, a lot of people look ambiguous, and a lot of people's mm-hmm. family heritage is also ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Everybody won't agree with it, but if you tell everybody that they'll get it, everybody cool with it. That's why that's this stimulus. And I talked to Ricardo about this when they first said they was gonna give it away. If everybody doesn't get it, somebody will complain. Mm-hmm. It's the same way with reparations. Nobody mm-hmm. actually knows whether or not, because everybody don't have $150 or $350, depending on which plan you go with, with the ancestry. Everybody doesn't have that to spend to go find out who they are a descendant of. Mm-hmm. I had it. I spent it. I found out. How many other people can say that? Not everybody. But that's how you got to tell everybody they're going to get it. At this particular point, everybody has to feel like they're going to get it. And then you wean off the people. No, no, you're related to, no, you're a Jefferson. You're not going to get it. No, no, you're a Washington. No, you're not going to get it. No, you're, you're related to Grant. No, you're not going to get it. Oh, but you're, you're related to the Delaney sister, one of the biggest black owned plantations in Louisiana. You're related to them. So, I mean, I guess you like, it's going to be one of those things. Everybody has to feel like they're going to get something out of this. Mm-hmm. or nobody will get it mm-hmm. all right so so let's we've had a conversation about a lot of the general topics so the the question that's on the table is we've gotten global attention uh people are actually paying attention so what do we need what should we be asking for at this point what what does the black community need what should we be asking for uh what what do we need to be reflective in legislation that is the question now so what is everybody's thoughts on that? What should we be asking for? We have the stage, we have the ear, people are listening. Now they're saying, what do you guys need? So what do we need? I think we need equality. I think, I think at, what does that at, mean? At, the, at, the, at the end of the day, it should not matter what county you live in, what type of education you, your, your child gets. It should not matter, you know, the color of your skin you know, or your sex or anything, or I'm sorry, your gender, um, you know, how much you should be getting paid. I mean, I think that's something we've all been asking for, for 
ever, right? Now, I will say that some groups are more proactive and maybe we need, as a, as a, as a race, we need to look at how they're, you know, able to cross those bridges and get what they want. But at the end of the day, I think everybody who's been out there protesting, I think people who haven't been out there protesting, I think a lot of, we just want equality at the end of the day and just know that when I go and I apply for this job, I'm going to get it because of this, because I'm going to, I mean, I'm just going to jump into my, my, my single father soapbox here for a second. Right. Um, I remember when there was a time I was unemployed and I had my son and I tried to get food stamps and they didn't want to give it to me. I was on the phone with the representative and I'm not going to lie. And I apologize to that young lady, but I cursed her out. I said, if I was a single woman, would I still be going through these hoops? Would I still be having these troubles of getting food stamps, right? And, you know, next thing you know, I got approved. You know, we do have a lot, we, we got a long way to go. But I think what we're shooting for is equality. I think if federal steps in more, because they always trump state, if federal steps in more to handle some of some of the, the the political issues like this, if they had stepped in a long time ago, think about it: four officers versus four thousand people rioting. Which one would you rather deal with, right? But they said, no, we're going to deal with with four thousand people. Okay, tax dollars. Here we go. Let's do this. And the people were like, well, guess what? We pay the tax dollars, which means we pay you, so we can do what we want, and we're going to do what we want, and we're gonna we're gonna flex our our uh, our amendment, our freedom of speech our freedom of protest. That's what we're gonna do. But see, the biggest disconnect is our government's not listening to us. They're not hearing us. Think about that. Four people versus 4,000. Which one would you rather go up against? All right, uh, my young folks. What do we need? Uh, what we need. <laughs> really, <Kyle. laughs> You threw me up in there. Um, <laughs> what we need is understanding. Understanding during this time right here. The reason why I say understanding because it will include equality. It will include answers that we all, uh, to the questions that we all have. It'll include um, clear definitions and spe uh, specific things. It will encompass all of that. And plus, it will also be able to set guidelines as far as what we all need because we could present something to the government but do we all understand what it is that we are presenting so that we all could be on one accord when we present it as far as the government goes um understand that they operate on a whole different agenda that we operate on it's something that's not based off of morals but also solely under uh based upon does this make sense and if it makes sense will it make dollars will it um will this keep us in a position of power we have to understand that as a leader you are um a servant to the community and the community should understand that what we have enacted once we have everybody's attention what the specific demands that we have we must embody it in decency and order not just because we have who we want in office should we just go and act a plumb fool just because we think that the job is done because we have that person in office. The accountability must be intact amongst law by the citizen and law enforcer. And so each and every 
person can still understand that this is what was set. We are embodying this. Now, when we sit down in a meeting, is this thing here? What are the uh, pros and cons of what is going on now so that we can nip this issue in the blood before it becomes a problem? So understanding, because that'll, that'll encompass everything that we're asking for and then some to keep everything that we are trying to make happen, re, uh, trying to get reestablished, remain intact for generations to come. All right, uh, Kyle. What we need, I say what we need is inclusion and, and, and respect. Um, I had, I was talking to a friend about this and just everything going on because like two, three weeks ago when everything first initially started to happen, every social media platform that you had, everything was just flooded with police brutality, riots, burning buildings, all of this, um, all of those kind of things. And he said that he just chose to teach, it was too much and he chose to ignore it. And I was like, how do you just ignore something like this? Um, not necessarily ignore it, but just not feed into it as much. I just feel as though it's time that we are included and we are respected as a people, um, Black people, the, the community as a whole. It, it's, it's mind boggling to me that we're still dealing with things that my grandmother and my great grandmother dealt with, just like mm -hmm. not being seen as a, as a, as an individual or as, a, as an equal because of the color of our skin. Um, and I feel as though right now, like Ricardo said, we, we're, we have the attention and people are listening, people in um, higher positions are listening. So I feel as though now is the time to take action. Um, and I think we're in a good place right now. And my generation did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what do we need? Hmm. What do we need? I think it's a, that's a very, very broad question, but if I had to start, especially with our community, the black community, uh, I agree with Ashton. I think it needs to be set, there needs to be a set foundation that we can all stand on. We all need rules and regulations. There has to be an operational system. There has to be something that all of us agrees with we have to we have to set something that says that we are black and this is what we agree with and this is how we feel and this is what we see and this is what we want there can't be 150 people saying that we want something different there can't be a hundred thousand leaders it it can't be like that there has to be something set that we can all stand on. Leaders that came before us had set a foundation that we all agreed with and that we all agreed that we can stand by and stand on. It has become, uh, over this later time, with our generation and with Kyle's generation, that there is no set leader. There also aren't any set rules that everyone has to stand by. We need to start there. We need to start with a plan that can be introduced by us, whether it's the generation of, of me, Ricardo, and Jason, or if it's presented by Kyle and Ashton, or if it's presented by my daughter, who's six, there needs to be a set of rules that no matter what generation that we live in or won't live to see, they can say, 
I stand on those same principles that my father stood stood on. He stood on the right. same principles that his father stood. There, there has to be something like that, or we won't get anywhere because we'll keep arguing about what the solution is. We can't even agree what the problem is. So if we can start there, by everybody agree, this is the problem. Now everybody present a solution. We vote on what the best solution could be to better all of us, not just black people, because it gets very specific. And when black people argue things that only benefit them, you forget that there are brown people that stand next to us and stand with us. There are people from other countries that stand with us and stand next to us. We, we have to be specific for things for us, but we have to also include other people because they stand with us. If we start there, the fear of us starting is what everybody fears. They don't fear us getting something done. They fear us starting. Right, right. They fear us getting started. They fear what Ricardo is doing right now. They fear what Jason and Ashton and Kyle are doing right now. They fear what I'm doing right now. They fear the conversation. Start the conversation. Lead the conversation. Not have a leader of conversation but introduce topics and things that are, that contribute to the conversation and then present it. We start there, it's nothing that we can't do if we start there. Everything else will fall in line, like Ashton said. Everything falls in line. There's a time and a season. What time and season is it? If we agreed on the time and the season, we'll be all right. The time is now. That's true. So if everybody right, agreed with that. That's true. That's true. The time is now. And one thing I, I wanted to piggyback off of what, um, what you had said there. Um, there's this thing that the government actually enacts, just to give an example of what um, be going on regarding uh, different set agendas. Um, to piggyback off of what you said, they hate the fear of what we are starting. And the way that they are able to control that is when they take the momentum of what we are doing and they can actually manufacture what it is that we're doing on their playing field to give to show a representation on a big platform that, hey, we are actually listening to you. We are actually doing this. The reason why they do that to manufacture that is to stop the consistency that we are building with the momentum of starting. So once they, once you realize that, okay, they put a figurehead to represent what it is that the community is talking to make the masses that aren't doing what we're doing overlook what we have been consistently doing over the years just because now our ideals are being sensationalized on the platforms that they can control, that would limit the impact, which is why I say it needs to be understanding upon the principles of, first of all, what it is that we are fighting, and also the consistency and the accountability and understanding of what it is that we will stand for. Because when they manufacture this, um, this, this figurehead, like we had Martin murdered, they had Martin murdered in front of you, they had Malcolm murdered in front of you, you had JFK murdered in front of you, and the, what they stood for because they put it up here, it was reciprocated inside of the communities. You can go all the way down, um, all of the civil rights leaders from the Black Panthers all the way down. They put them here and then they were killed off. And there's this, that's why we still have these questions here. It's a, um, the name of that is, uh, it was introduced by the FBI, it's called COINTELPRO. And pretty much basically what it is, is prevent the quote unquote 
Black Messiah from rising up amongst the people, inciting what it is that we want enacted inside of our communities. Because when they manufacture that figurehead that uh, to represent what it is that we do with our uh, gifts cultivated, the, uh, uh, there's a three-part plan. The, um, the momentum building, the galvanizing of the audience, and the inaction. Two of the three is always done. The momentum building and the galvanizing the crowd. The galvanizing the crowd is where they start talking the exact same and having the exact same conversation presented on their platform to us to make it seem like, yo, they finally understand and get it. But that desensitizes us embodying and living and passing down inside of our communities what it is that actually has to be set in order for us to live and have it intact. So before it's enacted, then they're removed, thus leaving people feeling that they never had a leader because, okay, if we try to do this, that's going to happen to us. Well, in actuality, the game was already controlled by the ones who set the agenda to deter you from even trying to start. So I encourage each and every one of you all to continue what we are starting because this right here, the embodiment of what we want in our community resides in our community. So that way we can have what it is that we want in our community. All right. So on that note, since y'all are run me to one thirty, uh, I want to say thank you to all the guests on today. Uh, Jason, Double R, Ashton, Kyle, and uh, myself. And uh, yeah, so on next, on Monday, we will have uh, return candidate Triana. Oh, God, I keep forgetting names. Triana, who was with us a couple of weeks ago, she was running for state senate in District 30. She's actually in a runoff, but she did win the majority of the vote. So she's come back on Monday to talk about her platform. And I guess you guys will kind of uh, motivate me to kind of do this again. So you guys can look forward uh, to seeing this again sometime soon, another panel. Uh, of African-American men and maybe some other ethnicities where we actually have conversations to get to the bottom of what we really need so that when all this is said and done, our community is in a better place than it was before it actually started. So we will see you on Monday, same time, same place on the Leadership Plan with your host, Ricardo D. Wright. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.